good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you listen to the podcast. The podcast is available on several platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, and many others. I'm Sherry Datterer, your occupational therapist and dysgraphia expert. Welcome to The Writing Glitch, Hacking Dysgraphia, No Pencil Required. In this episode, I am interviewing Pam Kastner. She is the literacy lead at PATAN, which is the Pennsylvania Training and Technical Assistance Network. Welcome to the podcast, Pam. Thank you, Sherry. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, how are you really? (laughs) I am well and busy, as every educator I think is. It is definitely the time of year for crazy end of school year field trips and get all the notes done before the end of school and stuff. There's a lot going on, isn't there? Yes, there is. All good things. Before we go into the interview, I'd like to thank our sponsor. And our sponsor is the Emotional Kids Summit, where experts share how to help kids with learning difficulties self-regulate their behavioral outburst. This summit is going to go live on July 30th. Grab your complimentary ticket now. The link will be in the show notes. You can find out more information at my website, sherrydatterer.com. But I hope to see you there. Pam, tell me a little bit. How did you find Patan? And I know that you work for some other agencies, but What does it mean to be a literacy lead at Patan, and how does that work with all these other agencies that you help with? Uh, Well, Patan is the Pennsylvania Training and Technical Assistance Network, as you said, and we are the state-level professional development arm for the Bureau of Special Education and the Department of Education. And we work in partnership with 29 intermediate units throughout the state to support local education agencies. And I have been at Patton now, let's see, very close to 14 years, which seems difficult to believe. It really has gone by very quickly. But how I came to know Patton many years ago was as a distinguished educator for the state. Back in 2005, I had the honor of serving as a DE or a distinguished educator, which were educators that worked in districts across the state that needed support. And I had left my school district to do that. I had taken a leave of absence and we interfaced with Patton and supporting those school districts. I was a DE for three years and I went back to my school district, which I love to do. But then they pulled me back in a couple of years later to come back and work at the state level. And I've been at Patton ever since and have worked on the initi- literacy initiative from the very beginning, as well as the MTS initiative. It's an honor to work at Patton and serve educators across the state. Yeah. You and I met back in October at a rally at our state capitol. And you were speaking that day about the Reading League, I believe. Is that, and I believe that's one of the other agencies that you work for? I volunteer. Volunteer, <laughs> I volunteer. got I volunteer, it. Volunteer, yes, for the Reading League Pennsylvania, where I am honored to serve as the president of the Reading League Pennsylvania, along with others on the board and members from across the state, and as a state chapter of the National Reading League, which is actually an international organization that advances evidence-based practices and literacy, a nonprofit, 
And I'm sure likely your listeners have heard about the Reading League. It has been making a significant impact across the country and advancing the science of reading. It's fun to advance that same mission in here in Pennsylvania. That's by day, you're helping <laughs> advance literacy. And by night, you're extending that and helping and volunteering for other organizations that are also advancing literacy. Thank you for everything that you're doing <laughs> to help literacy across the Commonwealth. But you're also, okay, a little side note here, guys. I was a, I wanted to go out to Ohio to see Pam speak and it didn't happen because I had car trouble back in March. But you were speaking at another organization and that was the International Dyslexia Association. Like all these things keep coming together. Like you don't stop, do you? I don't think any educators really stop. And I've always felt very fortunate to have who I hopefully I'm supposed to be and do aligned with my work. So it's been a real blessing in my life to have literacy as a mission, not only professionally, but personally. And I'm also honored to teach in the doctoral program at Mount St. Joseph University as an adjunct professor. I'm pretty much <laughs> literacy is my life, along with, of course, my, my family. Did you get into literacy because of somebody in your family then? No, but it has had both a personal and a professional impact on my life. I wanted to be a teacher ever since I was in third grade. I feel very fortunate that I was able to grow up and be one, but I do have six grandchildren, Lola, Layla, Leo, Lily, Louie, and Daphne. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Lots of L's there. And then that deal breaker, my sweet Daphne. But one of my grandchildren is dyslexic and has, we know as a family, the, the personal impact too, that having a reading disability has on a child. Of course, we know it has a profound academic impact, but the social emotional impact that it has on the life of a child and a family really is very impactful as well. We have gone through that process as a family too. And thankfully she's doing well and has progressed and is reading at grade level and making good progress, but it was a journey. There's no doubt about that. I have a great deal of empathy for children who have reading challenges. I think it takes a great deal of courage to go to school every day when you're struggling with reading and you're counting on the adults <laughs> in the school um, to know how to teach you to read. It's, it's, a, it's really important mission in life to help teachers have that knowledge too. They can feel really empowered that any child that comes through their classroom door, that they know how to teach them to read. That's a big part, of course, of patent as well, is professional learning in the, in literacy and the science of reading. You probably understand this a little bit more than I do. If I'm saying this incorrectly, please correct me. But there was an there's an initiative. I believe it starts federal level and it has filtered down to each one of the states that structured literacy for K, teachers K to H need to, each one of them needs to have some kind of course in relationship to that. I believe that's nationwide. Can you tell us more about that initiative? In Pennsylvania, we did have House Bill 1642 passed in relation to Act 55, and it requires that uh, teachers who are certified pre-K 4, 4 to 8, as a teacher of English learners, reading specialists, as well as pre-K to 12 special education, in those five certification areas, beginning in the 2023-24 school year, 
And within a three-year window of that time frame, they were required to have professional learning aligned with structured literacy in four criteria area. And our institutes of higher education are required as of August 2024 to also teach courses in structured literacy. And recently, another bill was introduced in the House, House Bill 998. That House Bill proposal is to advance an approved list of curricula in the state that aligns with structured literacy and the science of reading. There would be a listing of curricula that are approved in the state, and then it would also include requirements for screening. For example, Dibbles, Ames Web, Acadian screening, universal screening within 30 days of students beginning school, and then the students were at risk parent notification, and then alignment between instruction and intervention that aligns with the evidence. Three prongs, curricula approved from the state, screening required for all students, and when they're determined to be at risk, intervention that aligns with the evidence and notification for parents. That's a new house bill that's in the education committee and does have bipartisan support. Just two weeks ago, Senator, or excuse me, House Representative Orditay and others, Jesse Topper, Representative Topper, Representative Fleming, Senator Ahmed, Representative Pete Schreier, all held a press conference. I was fortunate enough to be there as well and speak about House Bill 998 as well, as well as a number of other folks did too. We're hopeful that in addition to the structured literacy legislation that has already passed, that we will continue to move forward to support teachers and students to move towards the science of reading and so that all kids can read. There's a lot happening. (laughs) There's a lot more to happen, but there is a lot happening. Yeah, I didn't realize that it was for the 2023 school year. I thought it was another, it was two years down the road. Thank you for clarifying that. And I do believe, I do believe that- To meet that criteria between 2023, 24, in 26, 27, you have to meet the professional learning around structured literacy. You do have a three-year window for that. And then that's a subsequent three years. Again, it's not just like a one and done. They'll be continuous. It would be anyone that's certified in those areas. So even if you're not currently teaching in that certification area, if you hold that certification, then you must have that professional learning. For example, if you're a principal, if you have an elementary certification as well, you also must take part in that professional learning. And as a result of that legislation, Patton has created online courses uh, that align with the criteria related to Act 55. They're free and they're in an LMS learning management system, Schoology, and they can be accessed to the patent system. And then Dr. Lehman at PDE and I also wrote a structured literacy course that's on SAS that Educators can also take that meets the criteria. Those are not, those specific uh, professional learning offerings are not required. It's just that they do meet the criteria for Act 55. And the state, of course, PDE and BSC did want to offer something to the state at no cost to meet the requirements of the legislation and the patent system. And PDE responded with those two professional learning offerings. Hmm. So as I've been studying the dysgraphia part of the whole reading process. How much is writing involved in these bills and the legislation? 
Well, structured literacy encompasses all systems of language, and writing is a component of literacy. So reading, writing, listening, speaking, uh, that is structured literacy. And then the systems of language, phonology, orthography, morphology, semantic syntax, as well as how those language systems are taught explicitly with those principles of explicit instruction. It's embedded within. I do think that, of course, I'm not telling you anything that you don't know, that writing is the latest developing literacy skill and the most difficult. Certainly, the focus has been on, I would say, more so reading. When we think of literacy, we think of all those components, reading, writing, listening, speaking. But I will say that in terms of the attention, both from the general public, there's been a lot of attention about the science of reading, but I don't know that there's been as much attention to the science of writing because it's very difficult literacy skill and it's difficult to learn how to teach it (laughs) and then to teach it just like writing is. Uh, That's Louisa Mote said, teaching reading is rocket science. And we could certainly say the same for writing, maybe even more than rocket science. All the literacy components, we know that it requires a very knowledgeable and skilled educator to ensure that the students in front of them, that they teach them all to be literate. And that means the full spectrum of literacy. Thank you for the clarification. <laughs> I, because sometimes when people are talking about literacy, the only thing people think about is the reading. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew that answer, but I wanted to hear you say it so that it was get, went out to the world and mm-hmm. th- there was that clarification. Patan, I know... We've been talking a lot about their PD. If you live outside of Pennsylvania, yes, obviously you can access Patan's website, which is patan.net, because it's on the internet. Can somebody outside Pennsylvania take courses through Patan? Are they still free to them? How does that work? They are. A lot of our offerings have shifted due to the teacher shortage in Pennsylvania, and that it's not just that's not just indicative of Pennsylvania. Certainly, there's a teacher shortage across the country. We have shifted a lot of our offerings, professional learning, to virtual, and often in the evenings we have you, you do need a patent account. Of course, it's free to get the patent account, but then you can register for any of the courses. We have people who attend our offerings from all over the world. Now, of course, the ones on site at our patent offices. It's typically Pennsylvania educators, as it should be, but we do have educators who join us from the surrounding areas as well. There are some things that are just for Pennsylvania educators, but we do offer quite a bit to the field for for everyone. In addition to the patent.net site, the patent literacy team has a Google site that is extremely robust with resources, professional learning. Quick pick snippets are all of our symposium presentations, which are over 150 presentations from the most respected researchers and practitioners, literacy practitioners in the country. They're all free. There are sequences. We're constantly adding to those. Website is that? What's the link? I'll send you the Google. It's a Google site. It's just patent literacy, sites patent literacy, but I will send that to you so that you can put it in the show notes so people can access that. Oh, wonderful. We're constantly offering <laughs> more, but patent consultants are in schools where we want to be as close to classrooms and students and administrators and systems as possible. Just today, I was in an elementary school 
with teachers and we were actually filming their instruction. They're engaged in enhanced core reading instruction, which is direct, explicit, systematic um, instructional routines, both in foundational skills and language comprehension skills. And we were in filming those teachers so that other teachers can benefit from seeing their practice. We're in schools all the time. <laughs> it's a pretty great job to be able to create professional learning resources for the state and at the same time be in those schools with kids and teachers and being with them side by side to hopefully make a difference in their classrooms. It sounds like the description of what you're doing is like an instructional coach. Yes, in some respects, we do act as instructional coaches to support. For example, I worked I work very closely with the reading specialist in that school district so that she has the depth of knowledge to turn around a lot of the support that she's providing to her teachers. It is in some ways coaching. We don't have the honor of being in one school or one school district even every single day. We are in many school districts, but we do have the honor of working with administrators and reading specialists and classroom teachers across the state to to move things forward. That is a fantastic position that you have. (laughs) I I feel very blessed to work at Patton. Is there anything that you'd like to leave our listeners with before I close for the day? Just your listeners probably have the same mission as you, right? To ensure literacy for all students and to reach out to organizations, and we need to be doing this together. So Reading League works with PBID, Pennsylvania Branch of IDA, and Read by Fourth, and Decoding Dyslexia Pennsylvania, and Patton works with our intermediate units, and we work with our literacy organizations across the state. That this is a really important mission, and it's best to do it together and to support one another. It's a big lift to learn all this knowledge to reach every kid working together with our hired institutions and our literacy organizations and our state system of support, we can really, and our legislators who are moving us forward with these recent laws, together we can do this so that all kids can read and every child has that right. And that's it. I love it. (laughs) I usually include an intervention around this time in the episode and You and I haven't really gotten a chance to talk about this one as much. I think some of my listeners have heard this before, but it's always good to reinforce it because when you've heard something one time, you remember 8% of what you learn. When you actually implement it and you teach someone else, you learn significant more and retain it much more. And I've been doing a lot of thinking and problem solving and really looking at literacy from the neurological foundation perspective. And my entire, my book and everything that I've been working on is from the sensory processing perspective. And I had this aha moment when I was working with a student before COVID. I was covering a maternity leave. It was only in that school district of a short amount of time. And in that time that I was there, we did a handwriting club and yeah. And one of the things that happened with this kid is he was on the OT evaluation list within that 30 days, he was removed from the OT evaluation list because 
paired with a first grade teacher. And we did a routine there every day without using a pencil, except for the screening when we first got there and the screening went on the last day. The only two times that they had a paper and pencil were day one and day 30. They wrote their alphabet and a bunch of numbers for us. And that was basically the screening. But this kid was taken off the OT evaluation list. Now he is like a an isolated case. However, I've had talked to other OTs about some of the things that I've been problem solving. And one of the things that I've discovered is there's three types of bilateral integration. The first one is asymmetrical. And that's where you have the pencil in one hand and you're holding the paper with the other. Your hands are doing two different things, but you, even though you have the brain working together. The symmetrical is the second type where the, both hands are doing the same thing. And usually it, it reminds me of the karate kid where you wipe on, wipe, wipe off, and you're doing both hands uh, at the same time. But the thing that I discovered and the thing that is helping kids retain letters is interlaced bilateral integration. For the listeners, I know you're not going to be able to see me do this, but for Pam, for the first time that you're seeing me do this, put your hands up in front of you. Okay. You're going to bring one hand behind the other and interlace them with the palms facing away from you. Now, I want you to write without bumping your microphone, air with full arm movement, the number eight. And I backed up so that I could do that. And then I asked the kids when I do that, what do you notice? And the hand position with your hands and with your palms away from you is so crucial because that's the position your hands are in when you go to actually, you're reinforcing the motor planning Uh on how to get it right, even though you're air writing. This is one of those little nuggets of information that I am teaching that I wanted to share with you today because you and I have had a difficult time having conversations where we're chatting. And I wanted to share that with you because with everything that you're doing, please get out there in Pennsylvania and share that little nugget that there are three types of bilateral integration. And this one is by far helping these kids. Going back to the neuroscience behind it is it's forcing that corpus callosum to talk to both the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere at the same time, because both sides of the brain are doing both arms, both parts of the body are doing the work and they're integrating in the brain better. So if you think about post-stroke and expressive aphasia and receptive aphasia and get making the connections with the parietal lobe and the image connections and associations, this activity seems to cut co- it covers that. And I got the idea from passive range of motion. <laughs> Um, And I'm trying, because my former life, I was on stroke team for most of my career. But yeah, and it's working. I've had, uh, I've had OTs in Arizona tell me that it's working. I've had OTs in Massachusetts, Arizona, many, many states that people that I've been training, I want to, I'm there are no, I'm, be desperate. I'm desperate to try to get it out here in Pennsylvania yeah. because oh. it seems like your home state is always the last one to listen to what you have to say. Oh. No, thank <laughs> and you. And that's okay. But, but that's okay. That's one of those little tidbits of information that I want. I'm trying really to have teachers understand that writing doesn't always have to have a pencil in the hand. And that's why I say it's 
the writing glitch, no pencil required, because we're really looking at what happens in the brain that is preventing the writing process. And part of the thing that's preventing the writing process is the, the limbic system is creating that negative barrier. The amygdala hijack gets involved and and that little organ just, (laughs) yeah, that little organ just messes everything up sometimes. But for everybody else, thank you for listening to that expose that you may have heard it before. But if you didn't, there is much more information on my certification course and everything else that I am teaching to help expand the knowledge of writing and what is happening neurologically in in our kids. And if you enjoy this podcast, please take the time, subscribe to the podcast, write a review on your favorite app, because if they know that this podcast is giving knowledge that is benefiting you, they will bump it up in the ratings who knows? It's such a it's such a unknown field that nobody keeps. Everybody says, "What do you mean dysgraphia?" But it is probably one of the most un. Like you mentioned, it people don't know how to teach it. People yeah. don't understand it. We need to get the information out there. There's, I'm all for this acronym. I don't know. Or this hashtag is stop the writing pandemic. <laughs> I like that. I like like that. that. Okay. When you put the podcast out, you can hashtag that. (laughs) Yep. Hashtag stop the the writing pandemic. pandemic. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) The podcast does a release on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month. Please join the Writing Glitch community and then you can ask more questions about writing. And there is a couple people that purchased my book last year and they asked me to sign it. And what they didn't know when they were asking me to sign it is I was going to donate that difference between the cost of the book and the sign to a nonprofit. And this happened, the, this particular group of people, this their money went to the Pennsylvania branch of the IDA. Oh, and that's Jennifer Griffin, Chris Hill, Julia Dunlap, Meredith Foster, Maruxa Murphy, Zara Young, Melissa Haberer, PC Paul, and Patricia Keenan. And post-production of the podcast is managed by Sam C. Productions. Maybe you're on tap for the reading lead for next year. I have to see where my feelings fall in December, but every year I am donating the difference between you just purchasing a book and purchasing with a signature. Uh Uh, That difference is going to some literacy nonprofit. That's so good to do that. Uh, You're welcome. The IDA is very grateful as well. And Lil, incidentally, I am on the committee for PA branch conference this year. Oh, wonderful. I was able to make that connection back in October. I'm getting, people are starting to find out that I'm out there trying to help these kids. Yes. Thank you, Sherry. It's been an honor to be with you today. Thank you. I always appreciate getting to know you a little bit more. Thank you for coming on today. And this episode, again, should release somewhere in July or early August. And I hope that this inspires somebody out there to go and find out more information 
about Patan and some of the other organizations that we talked about and get your professional development Act 55 in PA or whatever the act is in your state, I am sure they will transfer those credits. (laughs) Thank you, Sherry. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate it.